0: Hello and welcome to the Bucks Banter podcast, your favorite destination for all things Tampa Bay Buccaneers, NFL draft, in-season analysis, hot and cold takes. This is the spot to be. I am joined by my co-host Scott Capron. Scott, what is good, my friend? How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm doing
1: a, I'm doing okay, man. Um, you know, I'm, I, the people want to know, um, about my first round of the year. I'm sure. I'm still. Uh, you know, you haven't heard about this yet, but I'm still reeling from a triple bogey on the 18th hole yesterday about to shoot my best score ever. So uh, I hope the Bucks fans are ready to talk about that, um, really go through all the stages of grief. And uh, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Let's let's talk about the draft.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear it didn't work out, but it sounds like you're starting the year off the right on the right foot. Nonetheless, that's one way to put it. That's one way to put it.
1: It's not how I'm saying it. It's certainly not how I've been looking at it all day, like a lunatic. But uh, but here we are, you
0: know. Well, thankfully, there's no like video footage or anything of your meltdown on 18. Then,
1: much appreciated, and uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that.
0: So, on the docket for this evening, we are going to break down my latest Bucks seven round mock draft, which went up on si.com and bucksgameday.com earlier this week. In fact, it actually a part of it went up on buccaneers.com the tampa bay buccaneers um shared a snippet so i guess scott i'm officially a draft expert according to the tampa bay buccaneers right
1: i mean you've been one in spirit for so long but uh to get that validation on the bucks website and and to see your name pop up was pretty cool man pretty legit like you know peter schrager mel kuyper colin hall boom just, just throwing them all up there, but no, in all seriousness, that was that was really sick. Can't wait to talk about it.
0: For sure. So we're gonna go. What we're gonna do is we are gonna go through uh, my my Buck seven round mock draft. We're gonna talk about the players, and we're gonna use that as a guide of sorts to dig a little bit deeper into some of the players I think could be in play for the Buccaneers. And also, I'm gonna highlight the names. I, I've narrowed it down to about 13 players. Whether that's considered narrowing it down, I don't know. But 13 players who I can see being selected in the first round by the Bucs. Probably closer to 10. Mm. But there's about 10 names I think I'd be shocked if it wasn't one of those 10 guys. So we can talk about that a little bit and just some other names. And then we're we're going to discuss some of my top breakout candidates for this upcoming season for the Buccaneers. At least the defensive side tonight. We'll see. We'll see. I'll have an article coming out on that. So anyone listening is going to get a sneak peek of that information uh, before it is published on the internet.
1: Okay. So yeah, man, that sounds great. So you, you still think it's at 10, Hey, at this point in the, in the process, you still think it's at 10.
0: I think it's pretty wide open, man, in terms of what position they could go. Uh, So yeah, I do think it could potentially be as many as 10. Again, I could narrow it. Like, you know, if you want to, I could tighten it up more than that for damn sure. But I think for now, we're far enough away still, and there's enough uncertainty that I'd prefer to keep it in the double-digit realm.
1: Okay, fair enough.
0: Yeah. So in, in my the first round, 27th overall, um, I have the Buccaneers selecting Travis Jones, big defensive tackle out of the University of Connecticut. We have talked about him a fair bit because I've had him there for quite some time, and I wasn't able to move off that selection at this point. I still think adding a defensive tackle to pair alongside Vita Vea for the long haul is uh, at the top of the Buccaneers priority list. At least it would be mine. Mm. And, you know, I, I feel that way regardless of what happens with the and Sue. I mean, I hope they bring him back still. Uh, but as, as I've said before, I, I do think that that would be an ideal position to address, especially because the very top tier is so small in terms of interior defensive linemen. Um, and one of those guys, um, one of those guys is too much, too similar. Davis from Georgia is just too similar to Vea, right? So that really narrows it down to two guys, which is Devontae Wyatt, the other Georgia defensive tackle. And um, I just don't see him being there at 27 because of mm. the, what I just mentioned. So as much as I would love him, I think he's he's a little more of a pass rusher or at least has a little more potential to develop as such which kind of fits the mold of what would be best suited beside Vita Vea. Um, I just think there's going to be another team that's going to pounce on him before 27. Travis Jones. Where, where I mean, do you
1: think he goes? Where do you think he goes? I, there's, a,
0: there's a number of spots he could land. He could go in the teens to Philly. Um, the Cowboys could take him. The Titans or Bills could take him right before, even though I know the Bills have added some juice there. There's honestly a ton of teams because NFL teams just – understand the importance of an interior rush and yeah so so it's it's you know it's hard to to truly have a good pulse for all of these different teams and what their real draft needs are or what their priorities are
1: okay so i just want to throw out a couple of hypotheticals uh, like with this pick then so is the gap between the georgia tackle and the yukon tackle is that worthy if let's say you know, let's say he isn't picked. Sorry, the, the Georgia tackle, he isn't picked and it's it's 20 it's we're at pick 21. I just thrown out a number. Uh, Is there a big enough gap between those two guys that would justify um Light trying to trade up in your opinion?
0: Interesting. Great question. I think probably not i just can't see jason light doing it um it's close to and like i want to talk myself into it right but i just think that the team has a number of areas that they need to address and i think if anything the play would be to move back into the second like say back 10 picks or or even less pick up another pick or two in the mid rounds and then draft travis jones still if you think he might still be there
1: okay see so you you love trap like you are very high on Travis Jones and, and you would be very much okay with it at this
0: point. I would. Yeah. Okay. I would be okay with it. I mean, it, unless they're in love with like, there there's other guys who you could get later in the second, like someone like a Perry on Winfrey out of Oklahoma, who is a bit of a smaller built defensive tackle, but kind of a speed power rusher from the inside. Um, he's a guy who would fit nicely next to, to Vita Vea. He crushed it at the senior bowl, just like Travis Jones did. He won MVP of mm. the senior bowl. I think he had two sacks in the actual game too. Mm. Um, That's a guy like, so if, if that's the case, then maybe you take a corner. If a corner sl- slips, if an Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson were to switch, I would take him at 27 over Travis Jones.
1: Yeah. For that- example. And this is the fascinating part about having a pick late in the first round, like for a fan base, eh? Because there's so many sliding doors and so much can happen ahead of you in those in those like what three three and a half hours, kind of before you pick eventually at twenty-seven, right? So, always an interesting spot because obviously you're picking late, so your team's generally pretty good if you have that if you have that choice. But certain things happen, man, and that's I, I kind of like the back end of the first round for that because it's way less. Um, predictable and, and anything can happen. I mean, obviously, when unpredictable stuff happens at the top, that's what we talk about. And that's more, you know, earth shattering in terms of the history of that draft kind of thing, right? But the Bucks are in a super interesting spot. I can't wait to see what they do.
0: Yeah, man, well said. And I think Bucks fans got their first taste of that in a long time, a very long yeah. time last year, right? You just sit back like the, the very end. They got to just sit back, Jason Light, and watch how things unfolded. And it just gives you more time to kind of – Assess what's going on and weigh your options in terms Mm -hmm. of trade opportunities, and that's something Jason Light is always extremely active, yeah. uh, With is you know is evaluating his options, and he's going to be on the phone with everyone. So, trade back is a legit possibility, and something I wouldn't be opposed to, depending how things shake out. Okay, yeah, yeah. go.
1: No, just so so make the case for for the UConn tackle. Why is he so good? And let's face it, let's say a first round pick if you have that brand if you have that title it's just you're held to a different standard That for better or worse the 27th pick versus you know the 34th pick so the second pick in the second it's just a different label that goes with you basically throughout your career right it's so just tell me why is this guy a first round pick in your eyes
0: well he, he certainly got the size and the strength i mean he's an athletic freak yeah. for one like totally like i i you know in my mock draft i talk about just sort of the historical perspective of his performance for his position. And he ranks 48th out of almost 1500 defensive tackle prospects, uh, evaluated at the combine between 1987 and this year. So mm. just to, to put some context on just how special I'm talking. And I mean, to be,
1: to be fair in, at the 1989 combine, they were measured on how many darts they can smoke. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, the, The three cone drill was like slamming a beer, having a dart and like smoking some weed, too. Right. So just look for context for uh, for the people out there.
0: Great point. And I think I think with Travis Jones, it it comes down to I mean, he's been playing at the University of Connecticut, just an abysmal football program. I think they have like four wins in his entire career there. Um, They need to stop playing. They need to yeah. stop playing.
1: Like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, someone needs to hire Rashad Anderson as the athletic director and just cut that program out from the knees. It is so bad.
0: Nice uh, nice UConn basketball reference. We always got to sneak those in. I would have preferred, Den- preferred a Denim Brown reference, but here I we know. are. I know. Um, But so because of that, he's kind of slid under the radar, right? But once – so again, not to overblow the importance of the combine or the senior bowl, but at the same time for certain players – that is their first chance to really get eyes on them playing legit competition. So for some people, it's much more important than others.
1: Exactly.
0: And for Travis Jones, a guy coming out of UConn, that's incredibly important, right? Like He's not going up against SEC bangers like first-round draft picks. No. So he, he gets the senior bowl, and he's just dominating quality, quality interior offensive linemen, really well-established prospects, and 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 just continuing to do so. And I think that is kind of what caught the eyes. Then you throw in the combine performance, and then everyone runs back to the tape. And the tape speaks volumes as well. So just all of those things combined with the scarcity of high end talent at the position. And in my opinion, I like to always say take best player available. Um, but I think the positional need here is a pretty important one mm. for the Bucks, especially when you got, you know, Joe Tryon, Treyanka entering his second year, hopefully to take the reins on the edge opposite uh, Shaq Barrett. Those guys need help and the help's going to come from the interior Getting applying pressure to the quarterback that way. It opens everything up in the back end. They've addressed the safety group significantly. Um, They've got returning cornerbacks, you know, guys who are experienced, who have all played in a Super Bowl, started in a Super Bowl. So Mm. I I just sort of feel like the way it's all lining up is it just makes a lot of sense. And that's why I'm sticking with him. But as I mentioned, you could, you could, they could take a cornerback or a safety or an offensive guard if they love the talent in that spot at 27 more then they do uh Travis Jones mm-hmm. and settle on a, a Logan Hall out of Houston who's a bit of a tweener right but like, maybe is he an edge guy is he an interior defensive lineman um he's an interesting player who I'm starting to find myself a little more intrigued by every day really the more I, I check out his stuff um and then there's some other names too further down you know DeMarvin Leal is a guy who's who's was in he's kind of similar to Thibodeau, except he's mm. not an edge rusher in in the sense that he was considered a top 10 pick all year based off the talent, but his tape doesn't quite jump out at you as I think evaluators were hoping it would. Um, but who knows, right? Some of these NFL yeah. guys, they might just be all on him. And this could just be what the media and, and you know, everyone we've whose opinions we have access to is saying, and maybe they're way off because that happens in the NFL draft. No and, kidding, man. Right? And
1: yeah, for sure. And I think you, you made the point earlier on, um, I mean, you like this pick regardless of if they re-sign sue right
0: yeah i do i do i I really do i just think then all of a sudden you're turning a a major legitimate strength um you've got sue there you've got vea there vea's not a three down lineman he's too big right you got to keep him fresh that's just going to benefit everyone including the rookie you put in there including Mm -hmm. sue who's a vet and including vea who's just a big fella and Will Golston. Like, I just love that, being able to just rotate those guys in, keep them fresh, keep applying pressure on the opposing offensive line. It's just such a good
1: situation for these young guys to get drafted into right now. Very little, like, in the through, as we discuss each pick and, and everybody in your mock here, the through line is that the Bucks are really good and that they're going to be really good, basically regardless of who they pick up in this draft, right? So... Um, just that flexibility that, that they're offered by being able to kind of really pick who they want, who they think fits with their team is uh, is so huge. And they don't have crazy pressure right away. Like, I thought what we saw from Tryon Shoyenka last year was was awesome. He clearly showed that he could play. Wasn't necessarily you know, leaned upon that much, but uh, now he's going to be given even more of a response of, uh, sorry, of an opportunity to, to really take a leap. And that would be the same for basically whoever they end up taking in this first round. So.
0: Bang on. Well said. Yeah. And for anyone new or who isn't aware, Scott is not a Bucks fan. He's mm-hmm. here because he's a knowledgeable football opinionist uh-huh. and I value his opinion. So uh, it's nice to get those unbiased perspectives. And so, speaking of like Nadalma and Sue being an outstanding free agent at this point, unsigned, um, someone the Bucks are working and hoping to bring back, I think, and if he's made it clear that he'd like to be back, but no news there. Again, adds to the importance of addressing the defensive tackle position.
1: What do you think happens there? Sorry to put you on the spot. I think
0: so. no, I like it. Put me on the spot, buddy. That's that's mm. that's our job. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I think he'll be back. I think. Yeah, I think so too. It would be nice if it was before the draft. Um, just, you know, for the, the team's sake. But I have a feeling before the draft, Jason Light will have a pretty damn good idea of if he'll be back or not. Um, if he's truly unsure, then that makes things a little more complicated for him. But I think he'll probably be back, and I hope so. Yeah. But, but the other the other big name, the other big domino yet to fall, of course, is Rob Gronkowski. And that's that's a player who I think people are becoming less and less confident in. And you remember... Several weeks ago I put out a warning to Bucks fans to just kind of slow their roll and don't assume he's going to be back. And he this week he did say in an interview um one of the late shows I can't recall, but um he said that if he's back it'll be for the Buccaneers. So mm. I mean, that's not a huge shocker, but it sounds like he's genuinely a little bit conflicted at this point in terms of whether or not he is to return. Uh I know his supermodel wife wants him to play, he said, so I didn't actually catch the whole interview, but David Harrison um, from Bucks Game Day, he uh, put out a good article on that. So make sure you check that out, um, which is a good time to just kind of plug the website, SI.com coverage of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've got an insane amount of content coming out every day. It feels like every hour from some really quality, high quality writers. So make sure you check out Bucks Game Day, Sports Illustrated Buccaneers website, uh, where you'll also find plenty of my articles, including this one that we're ultimately discussing the seven-round mock.
1: What a life for Gronk. He just kind of picks and chooses any team would want him. You know what I mean? Like, retires, doesn't. How many games is he going to play? Totally up to him. You know, he obviously – he had the cheat code of training camp or showing his off-season workouts by just like – didn't he just change shirts or, or all on the same day, just wear different shirts and then send it as a different day of the week? You know what I mean? Like, it's his world. We're just living in it at this point.
0: I know, and somehow, like, I used to kind of assume he was a bit of a dick, like, to be quite honest, when he was in New England. But he comes to Tampa, and he keeps doing the same Gronk-isms, and I love it. I love it. I love everything about him. All his teammates love him. He works his ass off once he's there. So some people are speculating that Gronk just wants to avoid, like, voluntary OTAs and, like, Mm -hmm. not have have to report to OTAs and stuff. So who knows? I hope Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe maybe that's the case. But as it stands, he's not on the team, and, and it, it's it got to be more pressure on Jason Light and the rest of the Buccaneers player personnel de- department to address the tight end position. And, and again, similar to Sue, I think it's one they're going to want to address either way. If Gronk's back this year, I mean, who knows how much longer, especially if this is TB12's last kick at the can. So the yeah. tight end class, I have, and I, t- I mentioned this on the pod last week, I have the Buccaneers taking Trey McBride, at, with the 60th overall selection, that would be the first tight end off the board. Um, and by Colorado moment, State, Colorado State, that's the guy. So, I mean, I think if he's there at 60, you got to seriously look at that. I mean, it just fits such a need. But again, not again, I haven't really said this yet, but. <laughs> <laughs> But Trey McBride in this tight end group, I mean, so you asked about the difference between, you know, Wyatt and Travis Jones and the rest of the tackle class. Like that's a pretty significant gap. If you're talking about the difference between Trey McBride and say your fourth tight end or fifth guy could be Jeremy Ruckert at Ohio state. There is not a huge difference there. So this is one again, much more dependent on the Gronk situation and really just about preference. Like, what yeah. is it? You know, all I can tell you is I know the Buccaneers are going to want a guy who's capable of blocking. Because Cambrai can't block. Cambrai is not a good blocker. No. Um, Gronk is a tremendous blocker. Both are good pass catchers. So you you want a pretty well-versed guy. You know, I already mentioned Jeremy rucker I actually really like him. You could probably get him in the third round. Um, maybe you'd have to get him in the... Yeah, probably in the third round. He could even potentially slip to the fourth, but not where the Buccaneers would be Mm. um, selecting. But anyway, that's an option. Kate Otten out of Washington is a very similar profile to Jeremy Rucker, two guys who can catch, who can block, and do a little bit of everything. In the case of Jeremy Rucker, the question, like McBride from Colorado State has shown the ability to like win balls vertically and run a more – diverse route tree whereas jeremy rucker because ohio state's been so good in the way they run their offense they only need to use him in pretty basic um offensive you know employments per se so yeah so that evaluation isn't available but doesn't mean he can't do it right
1: oh yeah for sure i mean we see it all the time where guys are better in the nfl than they than than their numbers or usage would have um you know, would have led people to believe based on what offense they played in, in college. Right. So yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And you're the purpose is to pick the guy who's going to be the best, not the guy who's yeah. the best in college. Right. Exactly. That, that's yeah. the art. That's the art of it all. Yeah. So the other name that's really interesting is Jelani woods. Like if you're taking a guy for upside, the Virginia tight end, we've talked about him. I think he's like yeah. six seven. He's really fast. Um, but a bit more of a project potentially. So, I mean, those are some of the names there. Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina is another guy. He could go in the second. He could go in the fourth. Uh, more of a pass-catching tight end exclusively. Again, similar to Jelani Woods in that sense. They're more of like the, the high upside as a, as a pass catcher. You'd hope they could develop as a blocker. Mm. So those are some of the other names if the Buccaneers wanted to address the tight end position later. As it stands of this moment, I've got them taking Trey McBride because I have him still on the board there. Another team could be in love with him and take him earlier, just the way this goes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is he your favorite tight end?
0: Yeah, he's my favorite tight end. He is your tight ta- Yeah, okay. I do really like Ruckert, though, the Ohio State guy. Like a lot of people have him below Kate Otten, below Jelani Woods. I have, oh. if, if you could get Ruckert in the third, like that, that would be, if I knew he would be there, for example, I'd have him mocked there. But I just yeah. don't know.
1: I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe someone, I don't want to say reaches for McBride, but, you know, takes McBride a little bit earlier and then you actually, have record fall to you at a lower pick and like, Hey, that,
0: that works too. Right. Yeah. And, and that's another like low key advantage, similar to what we said, like drafting at the end of the first is just when you have different areas you could address, it puts you in less of a pressing situation to, to do anything irrational and
1: exactly,
0: you know, and Bucks fans should have confidence in Jason light. He's not a panicky dude. I, I nor should any GN, NFL general manager be, but let's be real. I mean, mm. there's, there's some guys who aren't quite built for this in those roles
1: or they're picking to save their job. Right. And they need to win this, this season and such a, such a bizarre work environment. Like I can't even imagine what that would be like. Like, I don't know. You just mortgage everything to, to try to save your job. Like it's, it's so weird. It's
0: so unhealthy. And it's, it's all determined by other people. Yeah. Like, exactly. you're, not, you're not in control of your destiny. You're just trusting yeah. the guy that you put your name behind and, Offer millions of dollars and to be the face of your franchise at that, certain positions.
1: That's why I'm always so shocked when like regimes or coaching staffs are let go. It's like, what do you guys think? Like, you think you're going to be here for 25 years? Like, everyone just gets fired. That's how this works. Like, I, I'm so, when everyone's so upset or shocked or didn't see it coming, I'm like, well, I mean, basically, unless who you're Mike Tomlin, like, you don't get fired. Like, is I think he's the longest. I'm probably missing someone obvious, but he's as long as serving as anyone, right? In the NFL. In a Bel- coaching Bel- role.
0: Belichick, obviously. Belichick. But, yeah. Obviously. But, yeah. But yeah, comments right up there for sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, you know, we just didn't. We didn't have the time. We didn't have the time. Well, how much time were you expecting? Like, fucking <laughs> get over it.
0: More time than Frank Vogel to win a second title in LA. Talk about a scapegoat. Hey, eh? Rob Polinka, just no accountability.
1: Polinka sucks. And, Vogel's just counting his money. Doesn't have to coach that disaster team anymore. No one's blaming him for the season and he'll just get another job because the NBA is unbelievable for recycling guys too. So yeah, I, th- I don't think Vogel's too upset about it. Good point. Good, yeah. Great
0: point. Um, moving along. I addressed the offensive guard position in the third round with Cole strange out of Tennessee Chattanooga. Um, and this is a guy who I've also had, the bucks taking for quite some time now Um, dating back to my previous uh, first bucks seven round mock draft that I did for NFL draft lounge I had him going later back then in the Mm. fifth round when that looked to be the projection but since then his stock has skyrocketed and that's just not a realistic opportunity another guy who was at the senior bowl uh, and performed really well there he was willing to go over to center so I mean you know I'm not going to spend too much time talking specifically about Cole strange because the odds of him actually being on the team are pretty slim but So I more want to use this as an opportunity to discuss the position. Yes. Um, And in terms of interior offensive linemen, I mean, the left guard spot, that's where the vacancy is technically in Tampa uh, due to Ali Marpet's retirement. Now, the Buccaneers are happy to take a committee approach. They're going to give Aaron Stinney the opportunity to win the job based on how the roster is set up as of today. However, you know, there's a couple – there's two guys in particular – Zion Johnson out of Boston College and Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M. These are another two guys who would be on my top ten uh, legit chance to be Buccaneers in the first round. Um, so if maybe that's a position the Buccaneers think is more important than others do, and then they decide to just lock it in with one of these plug and play guys, Zion Johnson in terms of the term pu- plug and play is is the most ready. Um, John Ledyard over at Pewter Report, one of the best talent evaluators in the in the game. Bucks fans are lucky that he's. He's producing content on the Buccaneers. He's in love with Zion Johnson. He considers him a top 10 prospect in the entire draft. Um, so I mean, if he's there at 27, which in many cases is predicted to be a, a realistic possibility, then that's someone you've got to look at right mm. there. Kenyon Green at a Texas AM, um, a little more of like he's not as technically fundamentally sound as a Zion Johnson, but he's certainly got a really high upside. It's funny, right? When you're talking offensive linemen, it's like the whole upside thing isn't quite as appealing as the sturdy high floor.
1: Yeah, and I don't know. It's it's funny because I, I've, you know, obviously like talent evaluators and guys that are really breaking down the tape would be able to um verbalize what high upside even means for an offensive lineman. But I don't think most NFL watchers what like they just want the guy that isn't giving up sacks, right? Like well, we can kind of deal with the re- high upside. What else is he going to do? Is he also going to like, you know, fight fires or or what goes on? You know, right. So I don't know. I, I think that's to me, especially an interior offensive lineman. I'm just looking for the guy that doesn't suck.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Guys. <laughs> I mean, I think I think the upside is is just like maybe all the physical tools, an insane amount of power just needs to be coached up a little bit kind of thing. Yeah. But I totally get what you're saying. I like that. That's yeah. Yeah. Classic Scotty take. We well, I'm just
1: that. it's just it's easier to um I don't know, it's easier to, to define with a receiver or, or like a, a skill position guy than I think for most people with, with what lineman can actually
0: produce, right? So hopefully the trench goat Brandon Thorne isn't watching because he wouldn't like us uh talking about his position that way. We I I want to get him on this podcast one day. That's
1: a mm, goal. Cool. That'd be awesome. I hey, I'm not knocking it. I'm just no, saying I, know people, I know you're not. I know you're not. People will uh will get it in general.
0: Fair. Um, a couple other names I like: Ed Ingram out of LSU in terms of interior offensive lineman. This is more in the Cole Strange territory. Rounds three, four, maybe two, three, four even. Dylan Parham out of Memphis and mm. Chris Chris Paul out of Tulsa. One of two legit NFL offensive linemen uh, that Tulsa sent into the league this year. So um, those are some names there. Not a, not a necessarily a dire need, but if there's a talent there, wouldn't be surprised to see the Buccaneers address that position. In the fourth round, I have the Bucks um, adding a corner.
1: I now, hate this. If you draft Chris Paul, though, are you ever going to win a title?
0: Well, how funny is it? I just mentioned Chris Paul, and my fourth round pick for the Bucks is Kobe Bryant. Oh my god,
1: <laughs> that that is pretty wild.
0: Yeah, is that irony coincidence? I don't know. Uh, it's something. It's yeah. it's
1: something definitely.
0: But so Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, Ahmad Sauce Garner's counterpart at Cincinnati is is low key a heck of a player himself. And, um, due to not an overwhelming, like imp- overwhelmingly impressive speed or combine scores, like vertical, all that stuff, it was definitely below average. I don't know the exact numbers offhand, but, um, he's a guy who, who is very likely could be available in the fourth, he could go in the third. Mm. um but it seems like a, like if he's there which according to my projections he very well could be then that seems like a really nice pick if the bucks haven't already addressed the position um just because he's long bucks love tall corners if they're going to play on the outside uh he's six two um he's got he's, he's versatile right he's played he's played some nickel he's played some safety he he's pretty well scheme proof he could play you know, press man, he could fit into yeah. his zone his own scheme. That's the kind of thing you like. You got to be able to think the position any, any position playing for top bulls. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Cause he loves to run an exotic stunts, and it's a zone based defense for your secondary. So, yeah, it's a, it's a guy I think who, who could think the position well enough and, and certainly have the, the, uh, like the length and the ball skills he can produce. Like he can, he can catch the ball. Yeah. Um, and,
1: and, and, and you know, to step up and make a tackle too, right? Which I think. Um, The Cincinnati secondary was great this year. If I, I mean, you know, they weren't playing the toughest competition, but with Gardner and him, like physical, long, just good players. Fourth round seemed like that would be a steal.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like, and so I will say to to add on to that, that's probably his biggest area to improve. Is he, he's whiffing on tackles a fair mm-hmm. bit? But but the, you're right. Like as a group, they were great at tackling. Since the Bearcats, they got they got a safety who will be drafted as well. So. Yeah, you're not wrong to say they knew what they were doing, but if anything, he would be the guy that would be the area he could work on most. But tough there's... to be a
1: defensive player that needs to work on tackling, you know what
0: I mean? Like yeah. you don't
1: you don't really want that label attached to you.
0: Yeah, if, even if you're a corner, it's not all sexiness. Like no. you gotta have some grit you gotta, to ya. you. You gotta, gotta have some grit problem. to you. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. there's so many fan bases. Every fan base is just completely frustrated with watching DBs who can't tackle. Like they've all, every fan base has experienced it. It's where we can all band together, no matter what colors you wear, no matter what team you cheer for.
1: Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, when you're watching the games, you expect no drops and you expect no missed tackles, right? It, it, you know, it's a simple thing of like uh, throw, uh, throw, catch, tackle football in football. But when one of those basic things doesn't happen, you know, it looks so ridiculous out there. And if you can't count on that, like if you can't count on making a tackle or making a catch, then it stands out and you just want it's, to – it's just the worst thing ever, right? So, yeah, you can't take those things for granted, but you also need to make every single one of those plays.
0: Yeah, well said. And we haven't had a basketball reference in almost 10 minutes, so it reminds me of not def- not collecting defensive rebounds, giving up the boards, right? It's exactly. Just a- that feeling is just it invokes the same feeling um in terms of in terms of the cornerback position though this is one i i could see the buccaneers if the right guy fell addressing with their first overall pick number 27 um if the right guy was there i already mentioned andrew booth jr out of clemson the top four corners or so mcduffie stingley gardner and andrew booth jr uh, are all really good like CB ones in the NFL like love them so if one of those guys and I think it would have to be Andrew Booth Jr. because the other guy's stock's just too high Um, if Andrew Booth Jr. were to fall I'm all over it I'm taking him and just not worrying about that position the rest of the draft unlikely however Um, two names that could potentially be in play Kyler Gordon out of the University of Washington uh, so he was Trent McDuffie's running mate uh, so we just talked about the two Bearcats cornerbacks. Well, here you got two out of two Washington Huskies. Um, Kyler Gordon, a lot of people thought projected as a first-round pick. He didn't blow away the, the combine like a lot of people thought he did. So whether or not he's a surefire first-rounder, that's no longer the case, but he could still sneak in. Mm-hmm. But if the Bucks love him, Jason Light's going to take him. Jason, like they, they don't give a shit about our media perspective, right? They have their own boards, and they're going to stick to him.
1: Wait. That's Wait, you're saying light isn't gonna listen to this, and this isn't gonna affect his board? Are you? <laughs> I was promised. I was promised certain things when I hopped on here. Uh, mainly that we would be influencing picks. So I set,
0: I set you up too much to like take a dig at me and all, all the time I put into this, but you do it very I, diplomatically. So I'm I to,
1: I'm tr- It t- it takes a lot out of me to do it diplomatically. So just you know, bear with me here, bud.
0: Appreciate it. And then Florida, Kyir <laughs> Elam. Um, coming out of Florida, you know, he's a late first, early second round graded player by most, and he certainly got the length, but the tape leaves a little bit to be desired in my opinion. And the Buccaneers don't have the best resume of drafting corners out of Florida. Um, Mm. you know, thanks to Vernon Hargraves. So Vernon Hargraves is like five ten top, tops. So that's a difference right there. But like Kyrie Elam could be a guy, another guy they've brought in Roger McCreary out of Auburn. Bucks love Auburn DBs, that's for sure. Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, both Auburn guys. Um, they drafted an Auburn player last year and KJ Britt. So they like they like those boys from Auburn. And they've already had McCreary in for a visit. Um, but you know, his profile doesn't make any sense. Like it's all, like you can't read too much into the visits. Often it's just based on convenience where the player is. They get their visits, so they use them, want to get to know the players a little bit. McCurry has like historically short arms. I think we, we may have mentioned this on a previous pod, but
1: it doesn't uh, matter, it should be mentioned every time.
0: Yeah, I know you have, if he's got you have
1: historically fun. short arms, then that's that's interesting. Like how <laughs> short are we talking? Like I don't know, like 20. Like freakishly short.
0: Uh well no, he doesn't look like an alligator, but
1: well, in he, my mind, I'm picturing that. Okay, and well, quite my- frankly, I want to see it.
0: When I say historically, he would have the shortest arms of any cornerback in the NFL if you were drafted. So does that qualify?
1: Well, yeah, that's ever. Yeah. That qualifies. Not ever.
0: Currently. Let's say. Okay. Currently.
1: currently. Sure. I don't care. Whatever. I'm in my head. It's ever. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, we're going to be watching bucks games. I want freaking short arm McGee on our team and seeing what the hell happens when the ball's in the air. So for entertainment purposes, please take Raj McCreary. But if not, Put him on another team in the division so we can see him twice a year. I like how you've
0: coined him Raj from here on out. I feel like he goes by Raj. Yeah, you you also coined that he's from Ireland last time, uh last podcast. So I like I like <laughs> how you got something new for old Raj McCreary from <laughs> wherever Ireland from
1: <laughs> I thought that was Murphy Bunting.
0: Oh maybe I think it was a McCreary. Oh uh, maybe. I don't Roger know.
1: Roger McCreary. He sounds like uh like a Liverpool fan.
0: You're don't your, you think you're cross country comparisons have just reached a whole new level of obscurity it's just too hard to keep track but they're got-
1: all a hundred percent right right yeah. and um, you know well researched so remember that remember that listeners
0: but he's a guy who who could play more in uh, more in the slot play that nickel position. But he's more of a second, third-round guy, I think, realistically. And another name, Cam Taylor Britt out of Nebraska. um, Really talented player. He's a guy I toyed with. I had a lot of trouble deciding between him and Kobe Bryant at points because I like both those guys and their fit and how they would appeal to the Buccaneers and what it is they look for. Um, But because I took an offensive lineman for the sake of this mock draft uh, in the third round, I I don't think that Cam Taylor Britt would be there in the fourth. I think he's a third-round guy specifically. Okay. So to summarize, I got Travis Jones in the first. He's a defensive tackle out of UConn. We talked about a bunch of other defensive tackles. Trey McBride, widely considered to be the the tight end one in this draft out of Colorado State. I have him going 60th overall in the second round. We talked about the tight ends. Uh, Cole Strange out of Chattanooga, offensive guard um, in round three. We have since talked about the offensive guard class and some of the things we like there. We have just finished talking about the cornerbacks. it, for the sake of my draft after the fourth round the bucks have two seventh round picks so i don't really want to get into that i mean you're really taking a stab there i had them taking um a edge rusher slash linebacker ali fayed out of western michigan mm. put up some really cool numbers small school guy uh for anyone who wants to check out that article i've tweeted it it's on Bucksgame day.com you can find it through sports illustrated wherever you want to pull it up but um I I kind of explain and rationalize why that type of player, at least, would make a lot of sense for them. He could come in and be a special teams contributor right away, which has to be the goal for the Buccaneers, as that's an area they're always looking to improve. And when you're drafting that late, you can't have too much higher hopes than than finding a guy who can come in and make the team as a special team stud. It would be right. That'd be a huge hit. Yeah, and that's what that's what they did last year. Mr. Irrelevant made the damn team. Maybe not big a big enough story. Grant Stewart out of Houston. He mm. had the team. He made the team as a rookie. He played every week. He dressed. So, you know, not so irrelevant.
1: No. That's
0: uh, – Yeah.
1: You love those stories. Like, good for them, man. That That's – it's hard to make a 53-man roster. Not everyone, obviously. You're picked, and that doesn't guarantee you anything. So, good for them. Good for them to make it.
0: Yeah, man. And then – so, I, I kept it on the special teams theme again with, with my last pick. Um, and I took the, uh, the running back out of uh, Baylor. Uh, Treston Ebner is his name. Just a dynamic kick returner is ultimately what he is. He's a running back by trade. He's got great hands. You know, Giovanni Bernard's on a one-year deal. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn, we're not sure what we got there in terms of the running back position. So I ultimately decided this would put pressure on Jalen Darden, a guy the Buccaneers moved up for in the fourth round last year and more or less fell flat on his face. Um, I had some disparaging remarks. I hope he doesn't read in that article um, <laughs> in relation to his performance as a rookie. I think, I hope, like even just to put pressure on Darden, hopefully he's going to come back with a vengeance. I don't want to give up on the kid, but um, he sure did not look the part last year. So, I mean, Treston Ebner is is back-to-back back-to-back conference special teams player of the year as a return man. That's how good he was for Baylor. Dynamic athlete, great hands. Maybe mm-hmm. he could, you know, best-case scenario, not only does he win the kick returner duties, he actually maybe earned some reps as like a reserve third down back
1: mm-hmm. you know, behind
0: Giovanni Bernard. Who knows? For sure. For so sure. And
1: that's where you're, you're, you're taking stabs, right? You're taking flyers. And that's, to me, the guy who has shown – you know, like a propensity in college for just like making big plays. Like, yeah, let's see, let's see, let's see what he can do. Let's give him the ball. Let's let him return it. And may, who knows, maybe he can flip a game or whatever and and be that spark plug for you, right?
0: Yeah. And aside from the obvious things, like fair catches and how to handle that and like the punt return game, like it's pretty straightforward. It's like the most playground, like, like get, just get to the other side. Yeah, right? you know, exactly. it's, all, it's, it's uh, an instinctive thing more so than overthinking it. So
1: get the best he, athlete, the ball. And this is a great way to do it. Right. Like you don't, you not. he doesn't have to get open in order to, 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 to return a, to, to return a kick or a punt. Right. So exactly.
0: yeah, that's cool. That'd be sweet. He, he doesn't have to break in at 12 and a half yards specifically, or Brady's going to have him kicked off the team. Like he just got to return the damn ball.
1: Yeah, exactly. Plus his arm length by all accounts is normal. Unlike Raj, right.
0: Just well, bringing Roger that McCray. back
1: old Raji magoo yeah so
0: um it's, it's magoo now <laughs> you
1: know what man i spent all day with my seven month old son everything's magoo i don't know yeah. i've never said magoo in my entire life he's yeah. mr magoo he stinks magoo he's theo magoo I don't, I don't even know i've mixed in a McGee. maybe i'm just changing the end vowel at the i i it's long it's long and I can't say that I'm I'm dialing up my best material every day for the boy. Like I'm trying, but like I said, I'm defaulting to Magoo. I don't know where it's coming from. So I, I truly apologize.
0: Really good backstory. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't be so hard on yourself, man. We're doing a football podcast. I'm wearing a basketball shirt. Oh fuck. that looks like a soccer shirt, like Adidas. Who owns Adidas? I don't know. I so did
1: I'm- I did think it was potentially a Liverpool or man U little jacket there, but I I think it's the is it Canon or the Raps?
0: Raptors. Yeah,
1: okay, there you go.
0: Um, so in terms of like some of the other positions that could be addressed throughout the draft, a couple <laughs> names I like. Boy maffe out of Minnesota, really, really athletic guy with a crazy cool story. Um, And he's really just, you know, a specimen and someone who has that high ceiling. I mean, he's got the power and the strength to potentially kick inside. So a little bit of versatility, similar to a Logan Hall out of Houston, who mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, a bit of a tweener. Um, but he's a guy who fits the profile. So edge rushers, that's a guy that could be in play in their, with their 27th overall pick. I got two safeties I think could be in play there. I've already gone off and over the Daxton Hill. So mm. um, we don't need to speak anymore about my fondness of, of Mr. Dax Hill out of Michigan. One of my favorite players in the whole draft. Whoever gets him is getting a treat. And then Lewis Seen out of Georgia is another guy who apparently some teams are, are extremely high on. The Georgia defense, like, it's ridiculous. Are you kidding? I know it's so stupid. It's it's so ridiculous.
1: How many are they? How many guys are going to get drafted?
0: Uh, Dame Brewer was talking about it. They have the potential to set a record for like the most top one hundred picks. It's unlikely they're going to beat, I think, an old Miami team like back oh, in the year, a days. days, right? Yeah, it would have been that year probably. Yeah. So they're not going to quite beat that, but they're going to probably be second with all these guys they got. Man, like. So pretty wild. But that, so edge rusher is a position too. You, you also want depth. You want rotational pieces. And our guys over at Real Bucks Talk, um, th- they've been pounding the table for an edge rusher, as in that should be a higher priority for the Bucks than people such as myself are are acknowledging. Um, and made some compelling cases, just, you know, assuming JPP is gone, which he should be. No disrespect to Jason Paul, but I think his time here is done. Um, and we need Tryon Treyanka to take that role, as mentioned. You got Shaq Barrett, so who's behind him? Who's backing him up? They don't quite have an, have the depth there that they're going to need to find ways to supplement. So uh, maybe they do. Maybe they decide, hey, let's go back-to-back first-rounders on young, talented edge rushers and see what we can work with. Um, but again, those safeties I love. Some other guys who could be taken later in the draft. Jalen Petrie out of Baylor. Probably won't be there by 60 in the second round, but I love him.
1: Who is, and- okay, so who are just a couple names you would love – to somehow get so let's say first round dream scenario who would that 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 is somewhat feasible to drop to 27 who would you love to get and then give me two more middle middle round guys that you just want to somehow end up on the box i'm sure you've mentioned a couple but you know maybe it didn't seem as uh possible when you were actually doing the mock kind of thing
0: yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, well, Devontae Wyatt, of course, is a okay. dream scenario. That's the most yeah. perfect scenario. The Georgia D tackle. Um, I'm big on Chris Olave and Traylon Burks at receivers. Okay. So if they I was were gonna to ask help, about receivers,
1: I was gonna ask about
0: Yeah, if one of them were to be there, and then Daxton Hill. Those are the, the four names I'll say that of players I'm just completely into and would be ecstatic. It would just screw position, like we were adding those guys into the mix. Hell yeah. Um, and then like later guys who I'd like to see on the box. I mean, sorry. And Andrew Booth jr is the other one that I mentioned the Clemson corner.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay,
0: cool. Um, and then like later, like Jeremy Ruckert, if you get him in the third or fourth, this Ohio state tight end, I like that a lot. You don't have to blow a second round pick on a Trey McBride sneak him in the third allows you to use that second round pick on maybe one of these safeties or corners, of course, depending what happens. That's a guy who I would like to get later. Um, Cam Taylor Britt is a cornerback out of Nebraska. Again, that would have to be in probably the third round. That's a guy I'd like to see on the Buccaneers. And, yeah, I mean, Matthew Butler out of Tennessee, an interior defensive lineman. That'd be a fun one. But in terms of, like, specific fits, it's just, you know, you're throwing blind at a dartboard. So, like, Troy Anderson out of Montana State. I compared myself to him in a previous (laughs) episode. Um he's just like this crazy freak athlete who was a quarterback and a running back. And now he's a linebacker out of Montana state and not so much a need, but that'd be a cool player to see him. pewter and red also. Nice. Yeah.
1: Funny. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about the receivers. I actually saw is on Twitter. His name's Eric eager. He's a, he's a better, he's a sports better. And he said he took a little bit of, um, he put a bit down on Jamison Williams as the first wide receiver off the board. At five to one, is that possible?
0: Um, sorry, possible.
1: we're we're this is a slight shift away from box centric and more just draft centric stuff now. But
0: I mean, which is fine, dude.
1: Yeah, but five to one is that good enough? Do you think for him?
0: I mean, the fu- like I I don't think it's gonna happen. I just think okay. with the injury, I think like, but he's if he wasn't hurt then yeah Yeah. he very likely could have been so maybe some team says screw that he's the best one i don't care we'll still take him first i can't see garrett wilson him going before a healthy garrett wilson who a lot of people think is going to be Stephon diggs like yeah um you know and then also some a lot of people could easily be just in love with drake london as their wide receiver one or a Traylon burks so it's just a lot of shots like for this to say five to one is great value for first overall yeah um that's kind of how I read that one. And sorry, the other guy I would love to see is George Pickens, Georgia.
1: Mm, okay, he, yeah.
0: He's just gotten lost in the shuffle because all these guys, he Pickens has been hurt. He barely played until like the end of the year. And if you were judging him off um his twenty nineteen or his last season before twenty what year was yeah, season? twenty. Like like he's he's a first rounder. And oh, he's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit. He looks the part too,
1: right? Like I mean, you can just tell with, I, I don't know, in my opinion, like, oh, yeah. he looks like oh, he's yeah. ready to go. Um, totally. And you hate to say, and like, I, I don't want to be a, you know, blinded by the talent that Georgia had. Um, but Like if, if you're playing on that, then like you're doing something right. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I feel like those, those def- anybody on the Georgia defense, for example, should get the benefit of the doubt over someone else that a team is considering. And I wouldn't, necessarily say the same thing about the offense at the same level as their defense considering how dominant the defense was but like if you were playing on this georgia team this past year then you were really really good right yeah. so
0: yeah and and they had to be productive on that side of the ball to have the season they had or, or to be as good as they've been and it's not like it was all on the quarterback either but okay um, Johnny Santilli, our, our our beloved producer and editor who mm. occasionally shows up for work here at Bucks Banter. Never on the air, but always behind the scenes. Never on, on the, the air, air. Right, man. Never on the air, but always there. Mm. Johnny Santilli watching on YouTube. Just so blessed you two football minds found each other, he says. What a heartwarming sentiment. Um, absolutely.
1: I feel like he's looking for some credit, maybe.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know why. I thought... I don't you know, know. Yeah, didn't we meet, like... Separate, yeah. Separately,
1: yeah, I think so too. I don't know what he's talking about, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um,
0: and then the only other position I think worth mentioning before we quickly dive into some breakout candidates for the Bucks this year is the running back position. Brees Hall is the best running back in this draft class, in my opinion. Um, that's not going out on a limb by any means. I just love his combination of skills, whether it be his hands, his elusiveness, his durability, his ability to pass protect. He just translates really well to the next level. Speaking of players who have the potential to be even better in the NFL than in college. And he was damn good in college. So there you have it with him. Kenneth Walker, a name not enough people are talking about, which is funny because all, all you heard was Kenneth Walker all year, especially mm-hmm. Michigan fans, a eh, Cap?
1: yeah definitely heard his name a lot on one Saturday in October. I can tell you that. Oh my God. Shoot me. Um, yeah, he's good. Uh, but Brees Hall un- undoubtedly the best, I think in terms of um, just production, plus what it looks like he can translate to at the next level I and in, in the odds makers. I mean, it's he's not overwhelming, but he's been the first guy on their board for months now. Right. So, which is really saying something because I feel like you know you can throw a lot of running backs into a hat, but he's awesome.
0: Yeah, and Vegas has always got a beat, right? They always got mm-hmm. a beat on it. Uh Isaiah Isaiah Spiller out of AM, he's an interesting guy. But for the bucks, if they're gonna draft a running back, it's more than likely gonna be in the later rounds. You're gonna be looking at guys like Damian Pierce out of Florida, Brian Robinson is it coming in for a visit from Alabama, Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame, Rashad White out of Arizona State. These are just some names that could potentially be in the mix. Um But again, I don't consider it a priority. They got Leonard Fournette. They re-signed Giovanni Bernard for a year. And they have Keyshawn Vaughn, who I think the Buccaneers like and want to give a fair look. It's almost like he's going to have a rookie year in his third season um, where he's really going to know what he's doing now. And he showed flashes this past year finally. So uh, far from a priority. But if if you love a player, you know, you take the player. And uh, that's something I always come back to. And I trust Jason Light to do that, hopefully, though. The team can add a defensive tackle a tight end and a corner at very least um so i think that's a pretty good summary in terms of the rationale behind my selections and Mm. lord lord knows it could change uh between draft night a couple weeks from now but uh for as it is that's how it is so check it out on si.com bucks.gameday.com, day.com and give it a a closer look if you want to know even more details about those players What I want to do now is just tease a couple names, Scotty, um, because I'm going to have this article coming out this week, within a day or two. um, And that is, like, who is poised to break out for the Buccaneers this year. I just want to focus on the defensive side. I picked three players. And um, the first one, we've we've mentioned his name numerous times. That's Joe Choyanka, JTS. I think based on the opportunity, based on the glimpses we saw in the limited amount of snaps he got as a rookie i mean he was coming to a defending super bowl champion Mm -hmm. returning every starter so he had as cushy of a first year in the nfl as you could have just based on expectations for a first round pick like maybe maybe ever (laughs) like right
1: oh that was so house money whatever you got from him and they could kind of do whatever they wanted and he clearly showed that he can play and I don't know, didn't hear a bad word about him the whole season, right? Like like no issues. Bucks fans love him. I, I I he has to be the breakout guy. I don't mean he has to be like or else they're fucked or anything. I just mean he's the choice and yeah. I think the most likely.
0: He literally looks like an action figure. Like Yeah, he, he's insane. Yeah. Um like throw on the preseason tape last year. He had a couple sacks in preseason, blew the head off Brandon Allen or whoever the Bengals quarterback was. Oh, Um, right. Yeah. It was an egregious, they called rough in the passer. He still had a couple more sacks. He sacked uh, Tyrod Taylor, strip sack Tyrod Taylor at Houston. Um, So you got to see more flashes then Mm -hmm. in the regular season. So really excited for him. I think it could be a big year. And the next guy is one of my favorite Buccaneers, surprisingly to many. And that's Jamel Dean. Um, And he's entering the last year of his rookie deal. He's one of those Auburn cornerbacks we talked about. And I think Jamel Dean, if he can, like, he, he kind of gets nicked up here and there. But when he's on the field, he's productive. He's, like, a analytics darling. PFF loves him. And I'll talk about that a little bit in my article when I describe why. Um, and P- because it's draft season, I kind of wanted to revisit him as a prospect because the Bucs got him in the with, like, the 94th or 5th pick um, in 2019. And I was looking at his, his numbers at the combine. It is stupid, Jamel Dean. Yeah, like I, I can't believe he went in the third. He's 6'2, 205. So both like incredible size. He ran a 4'30 40, which was the second fastest time in the entire combine. Ninety nine percentile for cornerbacks. He jumped 41 inches in the vert, like 95 plus percentile. Um and what was the other one that was super impressive? His broad jump. I can't remember how many inches it was, but it was again beyond the upper echelon. In terms of physical testing. So I found it kind of fun to revisit his draft stock, like or his draft profile, just because now that I've seen him for a few years. So when he's on the field, Jamel Dean does his thing. He's he's a little mechanical at times when you watch him work. Like he's not the despite those like dynamic breakaway burst and speed he has, he's a little not awkward, but a bit mechanical sometimes, not with not the lateral quickness or agility you might love but he uses his speed to just like catch up if he if he gets lost with that. So well, he was
1: he was mic'd up that one game and he kept going like when do we do the broad jump? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I don't I'm expected to play football. I'm what's this whole like defending thing? I'm looking for broad jumps. I'm looking for three cone shuffles. Like what's what's the deal? Well, he um, can he
0: can play too though. He I can. know,
1: I'm just kidding, but I but those numbers are are crazy, but um from the combine like holy shit, but I mean, hey, that'd be nice for him to really step up and really be a guy, don't you? Hey, I mean, I know that's what you're saying, but wow. It's, exactly. He certainly, I think he's shown that he can, but
0: can he do it for the whole year, right? Exactly. So, I mean, and then you have um, two Auburn corners holding down the outside and Carlton Davis and him, you know Carlton Davis is going to do his thing. Yeah. So if, if Jamel Dean could step up, like he's the breakout guy who not only do I think he has the capability to do it, uh, but if he does, it's going to be just a monumental thing for the Buccaneers. If you got two two shutdown guys, if he can be a true CB2, as they say, right? Second corner. Um, and I think he's got all the talent to do it. And then the last player is Mike Edwards. Obviously, the Buccaneers moved on to Jordan Whitehead. So that would, in theory, open up the door for Mike Edwards, who is just like the splashiest of players in terms of like generating turnovers. And his production and the amount of snaps he's played in the NFL is unbelievable. He's got like five career picks and he's a reserve and he's still on his rookie contract for like, that's just ridiculous. He had, he had two pick sixes in four minutes in a game this year, week two versus the, the Falcons. So just a little glimpse into for anyone who's not familiar with his affinity for creating turnovers for his team. Um, Bucks brought in Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal, obviously. So those are technically safeties, but I, I view those guys more as like, uh, Swiss army knives who are just going to kind of shuffle around, play some nickel uh, yeah. and, and then just kind of be more malleable in the, in the back of that secondary there. Whereas I, I, I think Edwards, if he can show that, that he's, he's ready to take that leap, I think he'll have the chance to, to earn that starting gig off city Antoine field. There you there go. You, there you have it. That is my three breakout players for the bucks in 2022 on the defensive side of the ball. We'll save the offense for, next week or for another episode or maybe i'll just make people read that article yeah um but yeah so there you have it we've talked nfl draft we broke down my buck seven round mock draft talked about a shit ton of names um of players who i think are intriguing at the very least um and you know things will maybe get a little more clear before the draft or maybe they'll just get a little more muffled we'll have to see
1: always interesting i mean like we these mocks are basically completely insane and no one knows what's gonna happen but they're really fun and it's great it's a great way to look at the position groups the way you've done it boom and um that was awesome and just getting through so many names and um you know guys you like who they could target was uh super interesting man i mean the draft is fun it's a little bit wild because it's football and, and it's less. Im- I don't want to say important but you know to really come in and make a difference especially when you're the 27th pick uh on a like on a team that's already really good but it's super fun and you get to talk about these new guys on the team and what they could bring
0: right so yeah man for sure and you're learning about the future of the league right yeah exactly so when you cover it every year and you learn in depth about these guys in a couple years that's that's all, all the stars in the league so um it's a fun process so for more of that, more coverage of the NFL Draft, more coverage of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Make sure you subscribe to the Bucks Banter podcast on YouTube. We're available for streaming on um, Spotify and Apple, all that good stuff. And also make sure you check out Bucks Game Day. Make sure you follow my boy Scott Capron here at Captain Ron, um, and follow me at Bucks Banter, and you'll get tons of tons more Bucks content on the way. So thanks so much for joining us uh, with your your Wednesday evening and um, can't wait to see you again soon. till next time go bucks.